everybody. Welcome to the Board Game Mechanics. It is August already. Holy crap. I can't believe it. And I'm Katie. And with me as always is... Hey guys, what's going on? It is Jason. At first the summer seemed forever because it felt like it started early when our kids stopped going into school. And now I feel like the summer went by pretty quick. I can't believe it's almost already over. I mean, it's still pretty bloody hot outside but yeah the sentiment of summer is almost gone so i'm ready for that but even looking i was looking at the forecast and next week like around here it's only gonna be in like the 70s high 70s that's awesome i may actually go outside yeah right (laughs) i was gonna say who am i kidding i'm not going outside (laughs) (laughs) only if i make you (laughs) oh that's funny all right I don't have too much to say. I went yesterday and spent time with my best friend for her birthday. And like I had a sleepover at her house, which doesn't happen like really often when you're after you're a mom. And I realized that I am too old to handle sleepovers (laughs) anymore. I've been exhausted all day. I'm like, what was I thinking? You're you're not what you're not as young as you once were. (laughs) Sleepovers are for kids. Silly rabbit. Yep. That's why you don't usually see adult slumber parties. It's usually kids. Exactly. So we're going to move right along to news so I don't fall asleep on Jason tonight. So in Kickstarter news, I want to talk about a game that I feel like in some ways I thought, oh, they're capitalizing on the whole pandemic thing with this game. How stupid. But then I got to looking at it. I'm like, this thing is really cool. So the game is called Immune. And it was actually put together by a biologist. His name is David Campo. Um, and so this is a cooperative board game where it's like, so you can play it solo also. There's a solo variant, but you can play up to six players. And the board has like the body with like with four different systems. And so there's like these little like honeycomb spots on the systems where a virus, a deadly virus infects the body. And so then you put these little markers on each of the different systems where it affects. And so you and the other people um, that you're playing with are trying to do things to collect resources so that you can like help the white blood cells attack and get rid of the stuff that the virus is doing. The virus is trying to like take over more of the different systems Um, And then it's producing these like deadly symptoms that are kind of like events that happen in the game. Um, It's like he has, I I mean, and like the creator has like his PhD in genetics. It's really kind of intense. It's it seems intense, but it says that the game only plays like, um, I don't know, maybe 45 minutes to an hour. Wow, that's cool. So he said he wanted to make it like really help people understand what happens in your body, but not be overly complicated to play. And what I thought was kind of cool is like there, I forget how many different virus cards that there are, maybe 16. And so, no, 22 disease cards. So there's a different um, disease. Like each disease has its own like different strengths and different parts that it attacks when it comes out and its own different symptoms. So there's a lot of replayability with that, which I think is cool. And there's B cells and there's cubes that represent like RNA, DNA, and protein. Um, oh, no, there's 16 virus cards. The disease cards are stuff that you get when you have the disease. So 16 disease cards, I was right. And then you've got these like innate immunity cards that you can like get and fulfill. They're going to help you fight it. Um, there's like these neat little viral tokens. And then you've got these nine action tiles that are the, the actions that you can take that represent the actions that you can take during your turn so that you can fight against whatever virus the body has like it i was really impressed like i think it looks really kind of cool and they've unlocked a ton of really great um kickstarter goals like the bag that you draw some stuff out of is like looks like it has a biohazard marker on it and um it's got like thicker boards and tiles and linen finish cards and player aids and stuff like it looks like it would be pretty cool is this from the company that does like um oh cytosis and yeah cytosis in them no i think i don't know that there's a i don't know i think it's this guy i don't see a a company associated with it at all genius games that's the cytosis company they like have the 
you know, the corner of the market on that stuff. So they better watch out because this one does yeah. sound kind of cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't see who – he's the only one on here, the actual, like, creator. Interesting. Yeah. And, like, the artwork's kind of cool. Like, I think it would be really educational, but it also looks like a fun, like, cooperative game. You're like, okay, we're going to stop – like, pandemic, but – Instead of, like, over countries, you're, like, working at what's happening in the body and also, like, selecting actions to do on your turn and you're collecting dice to, um, to help you beef up the white blood cells and stuff. And so there's 12 days left in that if you're interested. Maybe you or someone you know is into in the healthcare field. And it's only 39 bucks for the game. And you get a ton of stuff in the game. So, like, I feel like the price point is right. And, like, the theme is really pretty cool. So that's immune. Publisher, yeah. Sampo. The and that's guy's him. name's Campo. So, yeah, yeah. Sounds like him. Yeah, sweet. Yeah. So, wow. uh, cover is nice. I like that cover. Yeah, it's cool. All right, cool. Yeah. So, Immune sounds pretty cool. I, I thought it was just like a cheap shot with the COVID, but it's pretty good. And he talks about his motivation why he had a friend who died from their struggle with HIV. And he also does work a lot with like hepatitis and different things like these really like kind of vicious viruses. And so, he wanted to use that as part of the game to help in some ways bring awareness, but, you know, also be kind of a unique theme. So that's cool. Yeah, that is cool. Uh, the next thing I have is something that I desperately want. It says it's supposed to fulfill by like December 2020. So I'm like, oh, this is a perfect Christmas or and or birthday present to me. And it's called Arcana Note. And it's a 5E leather journal and adventure kit. And... So I know that there are lots of ways to track your campaign or whatever. And some of the people in my D&D group use um, D&D and Beyond, and it's all online. Because it's 2020. Right. I can't do that. I am old. I am old school. And, like, I can't find everything on there. And sometimes I feel like it doesn't work for me right. I just, I, I can't do it. I just can't do it. And I just love pencil and paper. And I feel like it just seems right. So I just use, like, a regular notebook and I just make notes all the time. But this thing, so it's a, a leather journal that's like, it's pretty thick. So it's designed to like to handle through a lot of stuff. So inside the pages, it's got, um, there's like, you can, you can also get, you can get like a collapsible dice tray. It fits in there, which I think is cool. Um, it even comes with like this mini GM screen. Like this is kind of the accessory pack. There's just some extra stuff, but there's like grid paper in there. There's like character sheets in there. They even have like this great character sheet that is dry erase at the front. So as you're playing, you know, hit points are changing, whatever you can dry erase that, which is really helpful. There's campaign specific pages. So you can track your timeline, any NPCs you meet, the locations, any organizations, um, there's even a ruler in there to measure distances. So, like, if you don't have, like, a battle grid to know how far you need to go or how the radius of a spell, there's spell slot card, there's condition cards, there's um, these, like, pay they've got holders in there and, like, zip pouches and dividers. Like, it's got some really, really cool, like, the inner pages, there's character sheets, there's session notes, there's um, organization notes. Uh, what was the other thing I really liked? There's some cheat sheets for, like, combat, actions you can take, melee weapons, ranged weapons, armor. Um, and this is all based on, like, 5E, which is what I currently play and what I, I really like to play. Um, there's, like, the core class heights, weights, ages, hit dice, coin conversion tables, um, quick monster and NPC stats. Like, just a lot of, like, really cool, fun little things that come in this notebook and like really help you stay organized and i love that because is this, is this an active project yeah okay well hang on yes except there is there was one that was the first one in 20, 2017 they're doing another there is another one i just saw it i'm not i saw it i just can't find it i was trying to look it up and i just can't find it i just found the old one yeah i'm, look, I I'm looking as i was talking about it i was like oh, i got it i found this. it I found it. Arcana Notebook is what it is. Oh, yeah. Notebook. That's you, what it is. Arcana. You can't name the same Kickstarter project the same name twice. So Yes. Arcana Notebook. Gotcha. So this right. one is a little bit different than um, the original. Because I was reading off the original sets. But it looks really... It's even. this. So the last one, everybody loved, apparently. So they made another one. And it's great. Like the character sheet that's right in there, which I love. 
that's so easy. Again, all those little like reference tables and diagrams, which is really cool. Um, like, and campaign notes is great. There's like a party tracker and um, like inventory and stuff. So like in my campaign, I keep track of all the money. I keep track of all the inventory because I have the bag of holding. So to have something where I'm like, oh, I can flip right to that page. It's already on there. I can keep all the sessions. The dry erase covers are so great. The shared inventory space is dry erase. The game ruler is really cool. Like, it's really awesome. And they've unlocked, like, some good stretch goals, too. So, like, they increase the durability of, like, the cover and you get more pages. Um, there's Inspiration Coin. They've got, like, some some art, cover art options, which I really like. There's this one that's, like, purpley pink looking with dragons and an N. I love that. I mean, more pages, some bookmarks for based on class, which is really handy because they give you that basic information on what happens when you level up. Because I always carry my player's handbook. Like, <sighs> So the great thing about it is it has all this cool stuff, which would be so helpful for me because I'm old school and need to have it physically there. It's 19 bucks, $19. That's like incredibly reasonable. That's not bad. Yeah, for like a... A D&D Trapper Keeper? That's not bad. Right, exactly. That's kind of what it is. It is like a nice D&D Trapper Keeper. So if you're interested in that, if you're like me and you're like, I can't handle this D&D Beyond stuff or this online tracking and you're old school, there's 13 days left on that Kickstarter. It's only 19 bucks. Check it out. Katie wants a chisel and a, a sheet of rock. That's how she <laughs> likes to roll with it. No, because stuff can change. I can't <laughs> have that. But I do. Like, I fear certain in a notebook. I take all the notes. I remember... Um, <laughs> We had our DM brought in some of his friends later on in our campaign to join. And it was um, one guy, there was a set of brothers. And one brother said, I can just play once, but my other brother will come and join. And so when his the second brother came, he said, now my brother told me that this group, t- that <laughs> Katie is the one that takes the most notes of anyone. She's always so well informed. I'm like, it's because our DM sometimes will like go back on something or say, oh yeah, that's a plus one item. And then he'll try and say that it's not magical. And I'm like, you said right here and I recorded it. So it's really, really, I'm just really keeping everybody in check, keeping everything organized. Everybody else can fly with this either pants. Yeah, that DM, you got to watch out for him. That's true. So Arcane Notebook, I think it seems awesome. I want one. Yeah, not bad. Yeah, 13 days left. And the last one, I am like super late to the game on this one because this is actually, this Kickstarter is for the collector's edition and an expansion. And that's for Petrichor. And so apparently this game is already out. Yes, it is about little rain clouds trying to grow flowers. Well, because the name Petrichor, that, so when people say, I love the smell of rain, what you love is the smell that happens when rain and earth kind of mix together. And that's called Petrichor. That's ah, actually that's, I had no idea what that meant. That's awesome. Yep, that earthy smell. So it looks like a super cute game. There's rain clouds. You're trying to make things grow the most. So you're moving clouds around. You're adding new clouds. You're putting rain to them. You're making the rain fall off um, so that you can make harvest happen. It looks like the artwork is like very like simplistic, but so like in such a pretty way. So this Kickstarter has a collector's edition, which is like some amped up components and a cows expansion and it has cows expansion and there's also like a bee a bee expansion which makes sense but cows doesn't make sense to me well the cows will like fertilize uh okay that's true they Pollination, can gra- fertilization like they'll go to a new place and like graze and like produce manure and then you could like it actually has maybe like a a climate control aspect because they you manipulate methane crystals and that affects the climate uh interesting okay so then the climate board like will change events so like there's like a sweet spot where things are going to grow better in the climate because it's warmer and then they also with that is there's climate sensitive trees so there are certain trees that like oh they want the climate to be more arid because they'll grow better like the boabab um or like the date palm whereas like the norway spruce is going to want it to be cooler this game seems super, uh, well, nerdy for one, and kind of heavy. It's a lot. Sounds a lot heavier than what I thought it was. I know. So, like with the upgrade, they've got like this really great, um, like I think so. This like really great storage solution. They've got these molt, custom molded floating clouds. Um, there's a flowers expansion that adds like three new field types. Um, there's player powers in that expansion. Um, there's like forecast cards, like. 
And then there's the bees. So you can get a new resource, honey. And there's new tiles and this giant bee flying around. So hmm. it seems like... Yeah, that's cool. Even just the basic game sounds really cool. Um, the problem is it's you know expensive. So if you don't have the base game, to get the base game and all the expansion stuff, it's $99. Which... I honestly don't think it's that bad because it's the base game, three expansions, upgraded components. I mean, it sounds like you're getting a pile of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it's not terrible, but man, ooh, 100 bucks. Ooh. Yes. Now, if you do have the base game, but you want all the newness, which is the cows, um, the bees, the flowers, and like the upgraded components, like the collectorization components, that's 64 bucks. So, really, the 99 bucks. That's true. You get the base game for 35 bucks. It's not bad. Now, if you just want, like, like a really basic, um, like, if you just want the Cows expansion and you get any stretch goals related to the Cow expansion, that's, like, 19 bucks. Can you just get the base game? Yes. That's 39 for just the base game. It's not bad. I know. But you could get everything. I mean, if you really look at, like, the... Yeah, I, th- I think my issue with these big all-in pledges is what if I don't like some of the other stuff? Or what if I get the game and I realize, you know, I don't really love this as much. I'm not going to play it that much. Or, you know, the base game is just fine. Then I could have just paid $39. (laughs) That's my struggle with a lot of these. I know. I just feel like it sounds really good. It does sound good. I I agree with you 100%. I don't know. Maybe we'll have to see if we can find the base game. Yeah, I need to watch some reviews on it too because it's it's got a weird theme and the premise is kind of odd. So (laughs) I'm kind of interested to see how it plays out actually. Okay. It's actually it's it's actually kind of farming, I guess. It's like rain yes. cloud farming. Yes, it is. So it's like the frost and the wind and the rain and then the sun. All those do different things. Hmm. That's cool. So frost actually forms clouds. The sun adds water droplets to clouds. Then the rain they fall. It falls to the ground and then things grow. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So that is the Petrograd Collector's Edition and Cow's Expansion. There's two days left. So you don't have much time to make a choice. But if you like the base game, this seems like a really great expansion. So go ahead and check that out. All right. Well, moving into some games played. Uh, We did both play these games. (laughs) But we only have two games this week instead of three because we only played two games. <laughs> I don't know what we've been doing, but... I played more. You were doing other things, but I played some more games. But I didn't want to just talk about a game that you didn't play because that's no fun for you. So That's okay. I can I can always make comments about anything, even if I didn't play I guess play that's it. true, but we, we can just roll with two this week. We'll change it up. We're going to uh... be spontaneous this week and do some different <laughs> things. Yeah, right. The first game we want to talk about is from Upper Deck, and it is a game about throwing your dead loved ones into the river, and it's called Bring Out Your Dead. Um, so this is a simultaneous action selection game. You're going to have a hand of cards that are going to go from, like, um, you know, a 12 down to 1, and you're going to play some cards, and what you're trying to do is you're trying to get coffins on a cart on a certain side of the river, either the right or the left, to get them into a grave to score points. There's some area majorities if you can get your um, coffins into certain plots on each side of the river. There's a mass grave on each side that's going to give you different types of cards. One of them is going to give you extra cards that have higher numbers to let you go first in the round with some different special abilities. And the other side is going to have some in-game scoring cards where you're trying to do some set collection. So this is a, a... it's a pretty macabre theme about burying people <laughs> and throwing them into the river. But the gameplay is actually pretty simple. You're just going to flip some cards. You're going to count down. When it comes to you in turn order, you're going to try to get your your coffin on the cart. If you can't, it floats in the river. Once you're on the cart, you're going to go from the first spot all the way to the end, and you're going to bury a coffin. And after, I think, either somebody buries all their family members or we run out of carts, the game ends. Whoever has the most points is the winner. So, yeah, I, I like this one quite a bit. It's it's silly. Um, the rule book's not great, but if you know how to play it, irrelevant at that point. Um, so yeah, we played it with a lot of people. It's always gone over well. If you like simultaneous action selection with a zany theme, then Bring Out Your Dead is a game you need to check out. Yeah, I 
it's a, a lot of it is area control in a lot of ways, which I don't like. But there are some other things here that mitigate that. Like, I really do like simultaneous action selection and like thinking about, okay, the cart has this many spots on it. We're playing with this many people. Are they all going to put, try to put coffins in the cart? Are they going to try to put more than one coffin on the cart? Where am I in the turn order? Um, and then instead of getting points right away from the graves that I stick my family members in, can I get more out of like the set collection piece or any other specialty cards? So, um, I like, as much as I don't like area control, there's other stuff going on here. And the theme is just hilarious. And people just, people, despite it being dark, people think it's so fun. Oh yeah. I mean, people seem to love to throw their loved ones in the river. <laughs> yeah. I don't, and like the little, I don't know why. The little coffin pieces are really cool. Like they're well done. So yeah, I, like I agree. I, I like everything about this game. I, it, it doesn't get a lot of love for some reason. I don't know, maybe because it's the rule book or whatever. But it's from Upper Deck, probably. And yeah, it's from a company that's known for making trading carts. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I like it. It's good. Yeah, it is good. All right. So I'll let you start talking about this uh, dungeon crawler that we played. Because well, I bear, I, I'm all about dungeon crawls. I barely say it's a dungeon crawl. So this game is called Dungeon Drop by Game Right Games. Um, it what you do in this game is you have a box that's got a bunch of different kind of colored cubes in it and you drop those cubes on the table and wherever the cubes land there they lie and some of the cubes are treasure some of the cubes are like monsters so like dragons goblins or trolls and then some of the cubes are actually walls or columns and so when it's your turn you're choosing different wall cubes to create a section of the dungeon that you then, I don't want to say mine, but you pillage, with. pillage, but it's not always pillaging. Cause if there's, you oh, know, that's true. Bad creatures guys. there, you've yeah. got to fight them or take damage or, um, they're like potions too, that can heal you or help, you know, shield you. Uh, and then everyone has like a character, like a race and a class, which kind of, you can then choose to use one of the special abilities that those give you before actually taking your turn and, and marking off a section of dungeon. Yeah. Uh, so K Katie really killed the theme on this one. Um, so no, I didn't. I said a section of dungeon and you go in there. Like Since I care about theme so much, I'm going to try to explain what I think the theme is here. What? I totally <laughs> explained just, that game well. I'm just also, kidding. The game was not good at all. Like, in my opinion, it was terrible. Like, uh, it was super ambiguous. Uh, I actually kind of liked it. I was going to say, for a, dungeon, for a dungeon crawl, I kind of liked it. <laughs> I did not like it. I'm like, this seems pointless. The, the problem is, is it was themeless. If it actually had theme, and I was like, okay, I'm going to have to go into this room, so I need to fight this thing, and there was, like, more thematic elements to it in the actual gameplay i would have actually liked it what are you talking but there about there was none i picked my meeple up from in front of me and i took him and i put him in the triangle are you and, still talking and then i take the cubes away and i put it in my holding area and i may have grabbed a goblin in my hand and he hits me that sounds thematic and crickets all right but i did i actually did kind of enjoy this one it's fast it went in like 30 minutes because you play over three rounds. It's not that big a deal. Um, the tricky part is when you're dropping the cubes, if you don't have a table that has sides, they're probably going to go on the floor. So that was pretty delicate and precarious. Yes, that is very true. But yeah, so this was fine. I mean, as far as a game like this goes, I didn't I didn't mind it. I, I would probably play it again if somebody wanted to, but I, I wouldn't own it. All right, so on that high note... We that is the end of games played. <laughs> Let's move on to our feature. So our feature for this episode is itty bitty. So we're looking at our game collection, and frankly, most of our games are huge in both box size and complexity in a lot of ways. So we decided to talk tonight about the best tiny table games 
games that take up have the smallest footprint. So we're thinking these games will easily fit on a regular square size card table, maybe even um, a coffee table, if you will. And we also tried to pick games that were a small footprint because not because they were just consisted of cards, which we could fit any number of card games on here. If you're only operating with cards or maybe only dice like Yahtzee or whatever, of course, it's not going to take up a lot of room. But we wanted to talk about actual board games. Real games. Real games. No, card driv- co- complete card games are real games, Jason. So are complete dice games. Anyway, that was our criteria. So the first game I picked is a very, I don't know of if anyone else has ever played this game. <laughs> I feel like it's really under the radar. And that game's called Ars Alchemia. Um, it's from Tasty Minstrel Games. Has it always been Tasty Minstrel? Uh, it's from a Japanese company, but Tasty Minstrel okay. brought it to America. That's what I thought. I'm like, this is clearly a Japanese game. Yeah, it's clearly Japanese, yes. Um, but it is a really small game, and it's a really small worker placement game. So you've got different assist- workers and assistants that are going out and doing alchemy. I guess I should have researched this game. I forget now. We haven't played it in forever, and it was really good when we first got it. We did play it a lot because... It is like little setup. It doesn't take up a ton of room, but it's like the full worker placement experience. Okay, that's right. Yeah, it's a worker placement game where you're trying to go out to places to get ingredients to make these spells and potions and stuff. Do alchemy because it's called Ars Alchemia. Or make so spells like a, and potions, a, yes. It's like a factory. But then like it's not just the factory. Like you've got people that work with the academy, like people wanting orders, you're getting resources, you're transmuting them. You've got like a town square too where people like can come get to be the worker. And it's one of those that's really great where you, you can go to a spot and other people can go there. But um, you have to exceed the number of workers of the other person that's already there in order to actually take that action as well. So there's like some cool kind of like thinking like, okay, I want to go here. But at what point do I want to go there with how many workers I have? There are some spots where the action is like less effective if there are lots of workers there. So you're like, okay, I don't want to do that. Um and you've got your assistants kind of coming and going and you also have to pay for them too. Like it's, there's a lot going on in this really little game. Yeah. I think the thing that I remember about this the most is the, the way the worker placement works because after that, it's essentially like, you know, gathering resources and stuff. But I really like the one upping people on a spot. That is really cool because someone could go there with four people right off the bat and then you had to go there with five if you want to go there. That sounds terrible, but I do remember in this game where you have like 20 workers or something. So yeah. you have a pile of workers. So five, while it's a lot, in the grand scheme of things, it's like it would be like one of your four workers in another game. So it's just a different way to do the worker placement, which is really cool. Yeah, and sometimes like you have to keep one somewhere in order to utilize something. And then you, when you're going to like transmute, there are certain cauldrons that work better than others to make certain quality products and there's a little bit of set collection kind of thrown in there too i think all the workers look like to me like those earplugs foam earplugs that you smush and stick in your oh, ear yeah, they do look like that <laughs> <laughs> they're like real funny looking um but actually like the board artwork is really pretty and i just think it's such a neat game and i wish more people knew about it because it is a really cool little worker placement so that's my first choice i mean you've got like one little board and everything goes like there's scoring on that board the cards go on that board and all you really have off the board are your workers yeah it's it's pretty awesome it's super small i think we played this when we got it we actually played it on a bed yeah probably or like because we got it on our anniversary that one time where that little like night table or something it was on a little table when we played it so that was cool oh i thought we got that somewhere else huh I don't remember. I don't remember. I thought we got it like Origins or something, but. Well, we did. Right. We took it with us, though. I might have said we got it there, but we did. We got it at Origins, but we took it with us. Oh, okay. Sure. But this is definitely one that would fit like a coffee table or something. Like, it's really, really compact, but there's still a lot of game to it, which for me, again, I feel like Japanese people do that the best. I mean. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. So it's good. So ours, Alchemia. All right, so my first one is a game about pirates. 
and it is you can maybe consider this a party game but i'm not going to because i like it and (laughs) it's from facade games and it's called tortuga 1667 which is actually my favorite one of the three the new one which is about the black plague isn't out yet but that one looks really good so i'm i have good good feelings about that one so what you're doing in this game is it's a a hidden roll game kind of it's hidden roll teams so there's two teams there's english and french i believe and if you're playing with an odd number of players there's also a dutch player who's trying to come in and and just ruin everything so what you're trying to do is you're kind of doing a tug of war with these treasure chests there's two boats and there's a, an, an island in the middle what you're trying to do is you're trying to get these treasure chests on your side of either the boat or the island before the game ends and if you can do that, then you successfully won the game, you know, through the tug of war. But if for some reason the game ends and it's either tied, which is really unsatisfying, or you don't have them on your side, then you lose. And it's done through some interesting card play. There's some voting to see if, you know, you're going to boot somebody off the boat or if you're going to maroon them on the island. Uh, it, it's really interesting. So uh, that's a terrible explanation. But it's a cool hidden roll game. There's some really interesting card play. And of all three of these games, this one is, in my opinion, by far the best. So if you like pirates, if you like hidden roll games, you like team games, you like games that can play up to eight, I believe this can play up to eight, then check this out. So that's Tortuga 1667. And so like all these facade games, it fits inside a box that looks like um, a little book. And actually, the board the the board is really a mat that's rolled up inside yeah. there, and it's maybe just a little bit bigger than an eight and a half by eleven piece of paper. Or and uh, then, I mean, yeah, it's almost like the size of a mouse pad, almost. Yeah, so it's pretty small. You've got your Flying Dutchman and your Jolly Roger on there, and you're trying to get the stuff off the Spanish Galleon. And then there's the Island Tortuga in the middle. So other than that, like you have your cards because you're gonna you have voting cards, and then whatever tells you the lo- your loyalty, but that's that's it and your pieces move around on that little like mouse pad thing so it really is a very small game but i think really really interesting yeah so i guess the caveat here would be if you're playing with eight people it might be hard to get it around that little table Mm, true just for getting people around the table would be tough i mean you could do it but it would be tough so if you're playing with three or four people it'd probably be fine that's the caveat on this one. But don't yeah. play with three or four people because it's not as fun. You just have someone who's designated to move everybody's people around. That's true. You could do that. They could just sit in chairs around. That's true. See, I know how to cooperate with people. Yeah. You're yeah, much, this... much better at that than me. <laughs> yeah, this game's good. We haven't played it in a while either. We should. You're getting... well, We're pulling out all the stops tonight, people. This is all the old <laughs> stuff that we've like been holding back on this That's whole true. time. Yeah, this game is good. I... As far as a party game goes, this is up there for me. Yeah, I I think the reason that you don't want to call it a party game is because your idea of party game is like social commentary, social deduction. Yeah, just one, um, stuff like that. Yeah. Word games, and and this one's not really like that. I think it still kind of is, but you. It is, but I'm saying it's not because it makes me feel good, okay? That's what I'm doing here. Sure, whatever. My next game is one that is really good um my former the co the previous co-host who shall not be named did not like this but i think it's because he's just extraordinarily bad at it for some reason um and that (laughs) is so we can't even say his name anymore is he like Voldemort or something yes yes (laughs) he'll be forever known as he who must not be named that's funny um, but that is the legend of the cherry tree that blossoms every 10 years. And this is by yellow. And this is a pusher luck game. That's so heartbreakingly beautiful. Um, where really all you've got is player screens where you can put flower, flower blossoms either in front of or behind and a bag that contains the flower blossoms. I don't think there are even any cards or anything. There, are, there. there are three cards that are two sided that you can use either uh, side. Oh, yeah. So you've got, uh, like, the three cards to you, the three types of... Special powers. Special powers that you could have based on the blossoms you drew. So in this game, you are drawing different colored blossoms out of a bag. You have to declare how many you're pulling at a time. And at any point, you can stop pulling, 
but you're trying not to get black more than one or all or only one i think you can have one i think you bust if you get more than one yes this is terrible and isn't it if you get so many of one color it's not good either yeah so the the push your luck is you gotta you want to get some of the colors but you don't want to get too many of the black ones or too many of one color i think it's three of the same color and two black ones i'm not a hundred percent sure there yeah, we used to play this all the time, and it's been it's been a long time. So you could draw like one at a time, or you could take several at one at one time. And so you're trying not to bust, but then you're also trying to like. There are different ways to score points. So you've got these kind of powers. So once you get a certain amount of different colors, or different types, or pairs, or whatever, you say, okay, the the set collection part comes in. So certain ones can go in front of your screen. Some can go behind. And then at the end, you score what's in front and what's behind. And the actual player screen has all of that information on it. So that's really helpful in that, again, you don't have a bunch of extra stuff lying around because the screen itself has all of that information. So that's really very helpful. Yes, there's like three cards and your screen and your bag. And the bag and the artwork are really beautiful. And I do love the little um, blossoms themselves. So the, ba your, the back of your screen shows you all the ways to get points, what you want to get, how you want to group things. Um, so it really doesn't take much room at all. Like you don't have to lay stuff like way far out in front of your screen or behind your screen. You can just collect it behind there. And so easily... A small coffee table, whatever. Just on the edge of a table, if you've got something else in the middle, if you're eating, it would be easy to pass the bag around. I mean, you can't play this with a ton of players, but so you're you're not really that worried about size. I think you only played up to four. Yeah. So the way you bust, you get three flowers of the same color or five flowers in different colors. Okay, that's what it is. So like you're pulling, you're like, well, you want different colors because those colors are adding up to get points um but you're not sure what color is going to come out so do you pull one at a time but you want to get a lot more blossoms there's a lot of strategy in a very simple little game it doesn't take that long and it really takes up hardly any room and once again this is a japanese designer <laughs> <laughs> this game's super good I feel like that that's going to be like my next podcast like topic. <laughs> All the best games. games brought to you by the Japanese. Uh, which is a lot. <laughs> there are a which lot. Which is a lot exactly. <laughs> so that's my second choice, The Legend of the Cherry Tree that blossoms every 10 years. Yeah, this is a good game. Uh we played this a lot cuz I love pulling stuff out of a bag and that's what you're doing here is you're just pulling stuff out of a bag. But then we got Quacks and I think Quacks kind of outshines this game. Just because it's more of a game, I guess. Like this, this one could almost be a filler, I guess. It's like right. a filler I, between I kinda bigger games. Like, I feel like we need to pull that out a little bit because I do like the little filler games. Like we don't play that very often, and this is one I don't want to forget because I do really enjoy it. Right. Yeah. Agreed. All right. So speaking of pulling stuff out of a bag, um, I had to have one of these on my list as well because I love pulling stuff out of a bag, and mine is Fire in the Library from Weird Giraffe Games. Sounded like I said giraffe, but it's giraffe. Um, so this is another push your luck game. It all is held inside a little tiny book uh, box. So it's about the same size as the Tortuga game. It looks like a book. And all this is, is it's a bag. You have um, a stack of cards that you're going to be drawing from, like to get some tools and additional special abilities and things. And there's some turn order reference cards. And you're going to set up the library, which is, I think, a, like a pyramid of cards, five different kinds of cards. So this will all fit on the table pretty easily. Um, there's not a ton of stuff in front of everybody. And what you're doing in this game is you're trying to rescue books from the burning library. And you're reaching into the bag, trying to get the different color books before you get a certain amount of fire cubes. And that will be bad. It will burn some books. It will burn a section of the library. But it does make those books that burn more valuable so there is a trade-off for burning some of the library but if you burn too many the game's over and you may lose because you didn't have time to get any points so it's a cool push your luck game with a super small footprint 
just a bag and some cards. And that's about it, I think. I think that is it. Just a bag with some cubes and some cards. And you can play it anywhere. It's fast. Another one of the filler-type deals. Maybe a little longer than a filler, but not quite the meat of a full game. So that's Fire in the Library from Weird Giraffe Games. Y'all know I love this. I talk about it plenty of times, about how it would be so good if in my bag I had those book-shaped meeples. But it is one of those where this, you fold out the scoreboard from the box so that's another kind of space-saving thing. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Which I think is really great. Um, and, of course, we really love um, games that come come out of boxes. Because you've, like, you've got your card, which shows you your order, the order indicator. And then you've got, kind of, you've got the, the buying of the different like, specialty items you can have. It's like, like um, buckets of water or shovels or whatever. Um, but other than that and the scoreboard, that's, that is all you have aside from the bag that you're drawing from. So really small. Oh my gosh. I love it. I always want to save books from burning. So good. I credit Mike McCorney for telling us about this game. That's true. And we did get it when he told us about it. That's true. We did. Good choice. So my last game that I talk about is actually a flip and write. There's some rolling involved, but... And you do, I guess it's a flipping and rolling and writing. A flip and roll and write. A flip and roll and write. And that is on tour. And this is from uh, BoardGameCables.com, which I thought was so weird of a kind of a publisher. But this game is really pretty fun. So in this game, you are rolling dice to get numbers. And you'll do them in palindrome style, forward and backward. And then you're flipping cards to give you areas of the United States. And each person has a player board of the United States. And you are trying to have your um, band. And there are different types of bands that they have on these um, maps just, you know, for funsies. You name your band, whatever. And you are trying to connect a tour across the United States to as many states as possible um, using the numbers that are being rolled in the areas that are being flipped. So a flip and roll and write. And so you can, but the catch is you can only go from one number to another if it's from the same number to the same or it goes higher. You cannot go back down. You can't move all around the numbers. It has to go from high to low. Or, you know, moving across the same. And so really all you have table-wise in this game is your board, which you could actually hold on your lap if you needed to with your dry erase marker. And then you've got the cards, which are, I, I think, like tarot-sized cards of the different regions of the United States and a set of two dice. That's it. And I like this game because it's, it's thinking because no matter, like, you're getting these numbers that roll up and you're like, okay, where's this going to go? Like... Where do I need to have like a certain number in the 40s or in the 50s? Like how far apart am I going to put this? Am I really going to get the number that's in between this? Like, can I put it in this state? Um, okay, I already have this number and there's no possible way I can use it. Where in my map can I kind of throw it away? Because I'm not going to be able to use it as a connected part of my route. Like how can I get the most connections? Uh, there's a lot of thinking that happens. My sister who's an accountant who doesn't play games all that often or doesn't like any of the games that I happen to like normally. She really liked this game and we've played it more than once together. Cause after the first time she's like, okay, I totally got it. It was way more fun than I thought. We got to do it again. Um, and it just takes up hardly any room at all. So that's why I like it. It's on tour. Yeah. I think mostly the reason why I like this is the theme. I'm not a big theme guy, but it is fun planning out like that, you know, national tour. It, it's a cool theme to me, but and it is, it's really thank you for a rolling right too, because man, putting those numbers down in the certain regions, trying to make sure that your path is working, whew, that's rough. It's a flipping rolling right, not just a rolling right. That's true. It is a flipping rolling right, and it flipping gets on my nerves sometimes because those numbers are tough. <laughs> it is. It's <laughs> good though. It is good. All right. So the last one I'm going to talk about is a super small box, and you can pretty much play it anywhere, really. It's just some. Yeah, every player has about seven Scrabble tiles. They're like Scrabble sized tiles with numbers one through seven on them. And there's a bag with numbers one through seven, three instances of each. 
and there will be a deck of cards. And the game is called the Shipwreck Arcana. I guess I probably should have said that first. <laughs> and it's from Miramorph Games. It's a suspense and, building. Yeah. <laughs> and this is a, a deduction game. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to f- you're going to be taking two numbers out of a out of the bag, and you're going to be playing one of them onto one of the three cards that are face up to give everybody else a clue as to what your other number is. So it's a cooperative game. Everybody's working together to try to guess everybody's number. You want to get to seven points before the doom track hits seven, because then you lose. So, like, if I play a, a token down on one of the cards, and it says, you know, your two tokens add up to an even number. Well, based on what I put down, you can do some deduction to figure out what number I have to have in front of me, so you can eliminate some of the other numbers in my line of numbers. So, it'll just be less that you have to choose from to get wrong or get right. So it's a, a fun game. It has beautiful art. The art is really nice. Um, the Scrabble tile chips are really nice. Um, it's pretty easy to play. It's easy to explain, and it plays in about 15 minutes. So I like it. So that's Shipwreck Arcana. Yeah, and that's easy to play in that you only draw two tiles, put one down, and play one. But you know you got to make sure you're doing your math right. You're doing your deduction when other people are playing like, okay, I can eliminate these, these, and these. All right. Well, what did they play last time? Okay, I can eliminate these and these. All right. Do we have to guess because one of these cards is going to fade and that's going to cause the doom track to go up. So we're going to be closer to losing. Is it worth getting a guess wrong? Like there's a lot of really tough decisions in this game, but it is really fun and really pretty. And yeah, honestly, like the seven tiles are so little in front of you and then three cards and like the deck like that. Is it? So I guess we have a lot of bag passing games in this one. Well, I think it just works well because then a lot of the components are just in that bag. Right. I mean, outside of Zularetto, which has a a bag, but it also has huge player boards. Most right. games with bags work pretty well for this. Yep. So those are our top ones. I had Ars Alchemia. The Legend of the Cherry Tree that blossoms every 10 years and on tour. And a couple honorable mentions is Rice Dice. Um, with our good friend PDB. Uh, Parks, it really, I mean, you've got the cards and then you've got like your little trekking like path and your, I mean, the resources, like the the little, ours has like the fun little trees, but that really doesn't take up a whole lot of room on the table, especially if you have those, the really nice like inserts. That's it. I mean. I've actually played this on a card table, so it does work. And we could definitely play it on a coffee table. It's pretty easy. Um, tiny towns. I mean, the name kind of says it all, but you've got cards that you're flipping and you each have your little square of a board. That's, and then the cubes just come out. That's pretty much it. Um, it happens. Is that a feld? That is a feld. Yeah. It's like a a kid's feld. (laughs) Which is like dice placement on these little cards. I think I've played it once, but it, and there's some set collection, I think involved, but it really does not. You could easily play that on a card table. Tricky Tides, which is so good. Really interesting um, set collection, contract fulfillment, worker placement. I don't know. Pick up and deliver kind of stuff. Yep. All those things. Um, You do have like a grid that you make with the cards. And we generally space them out a little bit for like visual effect. But they could all be next to each other. It wouldn't be a problem at all. So it wouldn't take up a whole ton of room. Seven Ronin is a great two-player game where it's um, like samurai versus ninjas. And so you've got like a little player screen where you make some selections behind and then reveal it and then mark what happens on the score pad. But that's it. You could play that on two separate um, like TV trays if you wanted. Harbor, which is like if you made Lahav actually small and accessible. <laughs> Because you're counting like your items just on one little card. I mean, you've got, it's a little bit bigger because depending on how many buildings you get out, but still not that many cards. Uh, Illimat is another one that I really like where the actual box converts into part of the game board. And pretty much everything is taking place on this like little handkerchief that's like the play mat. So not a big space at all. Um, and drop it, which is basically like 
a gamer version of Connect Four, so everything is in that one stand standing piece. All right, so I had Tortuga, sixteen sixty seven, Fire in the Library, and the Shipwreck Arcana, and I only have a few honorable mentions because I had a couple crossovers with Katie, but. One I wanted to talk about is a two-player game called Spirits of the Wild. It's a little bigger because it has a player board. Every, each player has a player board, so but it still will fit on a t- little table. Dairyman, which is a little dice game. You're just rolling some dice and collecting little tiles. You could pretty much play this on, you know, one of those little like one by one, one foot by one foot squares. That's how small it is. Breakdancing Meeples. Again, you can play this anywhere. You just got to be careful when you're rolling your meeples that they don't fall off the side. And The Crew, which is a trick-taking game. It's all cards, so this is kind of a cop-out a little bit. But Cheater. It is a little bit, but it's a trick-taking game. It does have some cardboard pieces, so I feel like that counts, so I'm going to add it. So The Crew is my last honorable mention. All right, so those are our small footprint games that are not all cards except for Jason's cheaty with The Crew. Um, so what did we miss? Are there some good ones out there? Because I love small footprint games. For me, if a game can come in a tiny box and deliver everything that a big box game can, I'm totally in. So please let us know what are your favorite small footprint games. Get to us on Facebook. Definitely join the hashtag riveted community. So many good people there. So much great game sharing. Um, find us on Instagram, Twitter, and of course on the YouTubes. Um, like, subscribe. We're trying to put Jason's always putting review content up there. I've got a few um, like unboxing videos. You know, if someone else want to join and put their own video content on there, they would be like my new fickle favorite because <laughs> I haven't had one for a few weeks. Jab, jab, wink, wink. <laughs> but we'd love to hear what you guys like playing that make a small footprint. Yeah, that's true. Small small games that pack a lot of punch are really cool. Like, there's so many more that we probably could have put on here, but I only looked at what we ha- what we had in our shelves, and we don't have a ton. But I know we've played more than we have here. Mm, but yeah. yeah, there's so many good good big games in a little box. So true. All right, it's bedtime. <laughs> I've got nothing left. I've got no zany. I've got no more game info. So I've been Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming.